0: Hello and welcome to Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 430. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we've got Kevin Rickstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, hi. This week on the show we'll be taking a look at Paul Verhoeven's Benedetta. We'll also be going over some of the watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be very helpful. Just one little bit of housekeeping. We're going to be working on the new *Say* by the 90s. That's going to be recorded this week and hopefully have it out the following week. So stay tuned for that. Again, I'm going to be consolidating the Save by the 90s into one feed so you'll be able to get it on this feed. So the main Film Pulse feed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm also planning on starting to roll out our year end lists. So, oh, yeah, that's always like a huge, a huge undertaking, but. Those, I should be starting to compile those relatively soon, so uh, stay tuned for that on the site. I'll I'll make another announcement once those start dropping or when I have a good idea of when that's going to happen. With that, let's talk about Benedetta. I have a synopsis here. A 17th century nun in Italy suffers from disturbing religious and erotic visions. She is assisted by a companion and the relationship between the two women develops into a romantic love affair. This is a, as I mentioned, directed by Paul Verhoeven. Hey, Kevin, we'll start it with you. What were your initial impressions of Benedetta? Um, this one's
1: gonna be pretty quick.
0: <laughs> yeah, and me also, too. Me too. Me
1: too. Just terrible fodder for a podcast episode because I really don't have much to say. Like, this is just. Completely average to me, uh everything is just like okay, it's fine. I mean it's just it's not great, but it's not terrible. I just I thought that there would be something more here, but this is just to me is entirely too long. uh much of it is just pretty boring. It feels like a TV movie in terms of like production quality and I, yeah, I just don't really have all too much to say.
0: I'm pretty much right there with you on on that. I oh, I just saw the poster on Letterbox. That's pretty provocative. Um, Watch out. Well, and that's the thing is like I was kind of going into this thinking like, oh, this is a Verhoeven. It looks pretty wild because the trailer shows like all these like kind of crazy scenes, and I'm like, oh man, what he's he's gonna go nuts here. This is gonna be some you know, some really yeah. crazy stuff, but it doesn't. It's, it's not that crazy. And at the end of the day, the themes, the, the content held within this movie feels very like well worn. Like I think there's like a lot of movies that deal with the same subject matter. And I think that they do it in a better, in a better way. And this doesn't really add much to the conversation like no. it, and it's just like uh i mean the synopsis pretty much just covers the whole movie it's you know this this nun who thinks that she is like married to jesus or something and and has these like powers and and turns out that she's a lesbian and then the plague comes and ravages you know some people and you know it's like there's just not much here. I agree with you that the production value looks a little substandard as well. I mean, most of it just takes place in this, you know, dark, dank convent, so yeah. there's there's not a lot of like visual elements to sort of grab onto here either. And I just, yeah, there's that, which
1: just made it, I think, far more uninteresting than it normally would have been, because I just, I didn't have anything visually to go on either. And I think another thing, or two things that got me is, one is I thought this was going to be more provocative and more, like you said, like a little bit more bonkers.
0: And that's the thing.
1: It, it, it is at times, but it is. There's only like like flashes of it. Yeah, in, in a movie that's like over two hours long, and much of this is just your standard, you know, period drama type stuff. You know, on a on TV quality, which is just, oh, man, much of this is just just boring biopic stuff.
0: It feels like one of those kind of '70s European. Sex films that sort of masqueraded as a serious period drama, like that's kind of what, what it, that's kind of yeah. the, the vibe that I get from it. But you know, the poster, like it, it, the the letterbox poster, is is fairly provocative, and then like the one that's on IMDb is like violent sex and religious hypocrisy and then it's like boundary pushing intoxicating and explosive wild pulsating and vibrantly alive and it's like what movie did you guys watch cuz to me i didn't get any of that i didn't get any of that i mean sure there were some graphic scenes in it but nothing like nothing <laughs> like out of control nothing that they, you'd be like oh my god you know nothing yeah. shocking did they watch the devils are they talking about the devils <laughs> Because I could see that, maybe I don't. I don't know. Because that movie's something else. I mean, I would say most Verhoe like for Verhoeven. Looking at his filmography, this this movie is pretty tame in comparison to like a lot of his yeah. other movies. Correct. So, yeah. I don't know. That,
1: like, I didn't a hundred percent understand, or I couldn't quite grasp how I was supposed to take this. Because there's there's moments in this movie. Of course, they're they're pretty fleeting. And there's not a whole lot of them, but there's moments where it seems like it's like kind of tongue in cheek, campy fun, but then large swaths of it are like very, you know, serious historical biopic type stuff, you know, like that's the, that's the majority of it. And then you have these like little, little flash in the pan camp moments. And I'm just like, I don't know what the hell this is supposed to be. It's just, I'm not jiving with it.
0: Yeah, same. I I think that, yeah, like I I said before, I just feel like we've seen a lot of other movies that deal with, you know, these... Yeah, any movie that deals with the
1: church and women from that, you know, from really...
0: Any any time period. (laughs)
1: Literally any time period. Anything involving nuns and sexuality or, you know, witchcraft, any of those things. you, You know, you always get that... Uh, like that examination or Exploration of you know the hypocrisy Of the men in charge of the church This just uh, To me this was very basic
0: Yeah I think that there were some Other Elements to it The You know the visions that she would Have and stuff and, and that added A little bit of creativity to it But, it, but as you said before it, t- t- Those moments were so fleeting you know like the snake scene was pretty cool and yeah there's, there's just these little just little shades of of kind of you know some something different a little flourishes there i'd say Char- charlotte rampling was good you know she's good in
1: yeah. it i think yeah that i mean that was i mean that's like the only thing that i can really point to and be like hey, you know the performances were pretty good but yeah like they didn't really wow me either. Everything is just very average to me. It was just like competent.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. I, like like it, it, this one just didn't job, really.
1: I, it, yeah, it's just not my thing. It didn't speak know. to me. I don't know. I just, I did not. I did not find this to be like even even like a modicum of you know being um, evocative in any way,
0: shape, or form. Yeah, I, I agree. Know. Unfortunately, and and that's a shame because I really like. Almost everything that that Verhoeven has done, uh, I really liked L, which was his last movie that he that he released in 2016. And yeah, I'm just I'm all about Verhoeven, but this one just didn't really didn't really do it for me, unfortunately. No. All right, let's go ahead and give it a score. For me, this is pretty much straight down the middle, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say like a a, a five.
1: Um, leaning towards that but maybe more of like a four and a half
0: there you have it I have no idea what the release plan is for this movie it came out in theaters I don't think it's I don't know if it's still in theaters or not it's not currently on VOD to my knowledge but I would imagine that it should be hitting VOD before the end of the year yeah uh, all right, let's take a look at some of what we've been watching. I believe it's my turn this week. I saw Spencer.
1: Oh, watch out.
0: Yeah, this is, uh, this is directed by Pablo Lorraine. Uh, he's, you know, he did Jackie, too. So this is his follow-up it's to Jackie.
1: Going for it.
0: Yeah. Working on those biopics. This is a very different type of biopic. Now, I don't think I saw Jackie. I, I'm pretty sure I didn't see it. I don't have it marked in Letterboxd and I definitely don't remember it. So I'm pretty, pretty sure I didn't see it. This one, um, I wasn't like super excited going into it. Mainly I watched it for like year end purposes. I wanted to, uh, I was pretty sure that Kristen Stewart was gonna deliver a really good performance and I wanted to see that. So that was like really the main reason that I that I watched this. And um I was correct in that assumption. She's great in it. I think she did a really good job as uh Princess Diana. If if you're not familiar with what this is, it's not like a standard biopic. It takes place over one weekend over the holidays where it's the moment that she decides that she is going to divorce Prince Charles. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot like now to be very clear, I'm like, I don't know anything about princess Diana, like just super basic stuff. I don't know like all of the scandals. I'm not super familiar with all of that stuff. No,
1: but I know that. She was a part of the Royal family and she died. Yeah. and
0: And She was very uh, beloved. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know all the, all the details and stuff. So I really can't comment on like, if this movie is super accurate, if they were taking a lot of creative license with the events, I I don't know, but I can say that uh, this movie is way more disturbing than I expected. Like this movie For really real? got under my skin. Like I was very disturbed by this movie on several levels. The music first of all is fantastic. Uh it's a it's a, a, a Johnny Greenwood, Greenwood score. Yeah. Holy crap. It is it probably the best, probably the best score I've heard all year. Um and it's it's another one of those movies where it's sort of like the humans where it is, it makes you feel uneasy the whole time because, like, she's dealing with, you know, being a royal and, like, ha- just trying to live her life, just trying to be her own person. And it's just so difficult. And she's just, she constantly has these, like, minders, like people that are, that are, like, surrounding her in her orbit when she just wants to, like, be a regular person. And, not only that, but she's, she's suffering from like a lot of um, sort of mental illness uh, issues. She has an eating disorder, which I didn't know about. And she also does some like self-harm type things in this, which are really kind of hard to watch at times. And there, there's a scene, this is not no spoiler or anything, but there's a scene where she eats a pearl necklace. And it is like... <laughs> Man it just goes right It's like nails on a chalkboard She's like chomping on this, these giant pearls And it's just like Oh my god it just, it'll, it'll send a shiver down your spine During that scene But yeah there's like a lot of um, Hallucinogenic type moments Like where she, she um, Has like a conversation with Anne Boleyn In it and stuff So it, it definitely does not Follow your standard yeah, no. Biopic path yeah, this is not at all what I was expecting. Yeah it it is not what I expected either. I actually I liked oh. it. It it definitely stuck with me. Like it is one that I think that will have a, a, a lasting impact on you because it's not <laughs> it's nothing like what I expected. It's quite good. Uh, I watched Serendipity two thousand
1: one. Peter Chelsea.: It's the and guess what? John Cusack, right? Yeah, Kate Beckinsale. Oh, yeah. I've, Guess I've, what? I've, what? I watched this before. <laughs> At least I was told. I was told that I watched this before. My wife was like, will you watch Serendipity with me? And I was like, yeah, I'll watch that. I've never seen that. She's like, we watched it like two years ago. I was like, I don't, I don't remember anything about this movie. And even as we started it, it wasn't coming back to me. I was like, I'm pretty sure I never saw this movie. Like, there's no way. And then there's a moment where... Like, it just clicked in my mind. But the weird thing is, is I only remember certain aspects of this movie, and that is John Corbett is in this movie. Uh, He plays the fiancé of Kate Beckinsale's character, and he's kind of like this new agey jazz guy. Like, he's got the hair, he's got the scarf, you know, just everything that you would think of a white guy playing, you know, like, Indian music that type of thing, that look, you know what I mean? That like Yanni look. Mm -hmm. He plays like a Shania and it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. And as soon as he shows up, he walks out, he does this elaborate like Christmas thing that's just stupid as hell. And then he walks out with his scarf in his hair. And I was like, I remember this, this, these are the parts of the movie that I remember (laughs) everything with John Corbett, everything else I didn't remember. But uh, this movie, it's okay. I really like the premise of this is they, Cusack and Beckinsale meet each other. They have a, a, a nice like night together, just hanging out, getting to know each other. And th- what they do is Kate Beckinsale writes her name inside of a book and her phone number, Loving the Time of Cholera, and sells it to a bookstore. And then Cusack's character writes his name and phone number on a $5 bill that she uses to buy some certs. If you remember
0: certs. I do remember certs. <laughs> and
1: they, the whole idea is, is if, if those things come back into their lives somehow, you know, they come across that $5 bill, he finds that book, you know, then it was meant to be, and they can, you know, they can contact one another. And then, you know, seven years down the road, or eight years down the road, they're both in the process of getting married and they decide to like, oh man, I'm really going to try and find this, this woman. I'm going to try and find this guy. And it's all rather ridiculous. But the thing that's like kind of shitty this time around that, I, that my wife pointed out is, with, usually with romantic comedies, the thing that I don't like about them is there's always like the, the significant other that gets shit on. Like it's never like single people you know, finding someone, mm-hmm. finding, you know. But usually they, they try and point this person out as like not being right for them or being a bad person, and they need to be with this other person. But in this movie, John Cusack's fiance is just like a nice person. She's just like really nice. And the thing that's really shitty is for the like wedding gift, she gives him a First edition, Loving the Time of Cholera book, which of course has Kate Beckinsale's name and phone number in it, which John Cusack immediately is like, oh shit, I got to find her. Fuck my fiance. I got to find Kate Beckinsale. And it's like this woman paid attention to this guy for seven years going into every single used bookstore in New York City looking for this book. And she went out of her way to buy that book for him. A first edition, no less. And his immediate reaction was like, oh God, I can't wait to get out of here and go find Kate Beckinsale, even though I'm marrying this woman tomorrow. It's just, it's just so awful.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a dick move.
1: It's so terrible. And you're just like, well, that this guy's a fucking dick. Kate Beckinsale, like, okay, she's getting married to Yanni Light. I mean, that's, you can easily root for that. But on the Cusack side of things, like, I can't root for this guy
0: mm Hmm. mm-hmm all right that's serendipity never saw it yeah um I watched the Silent Night Deadly Night series, which is on shutter right now, so the first one's not on shutter, but all the rest of them are now I already saw the the first Silent Night Deadly Night a couple times, so I was pretty familiar with it. however, I haven't seen any of the sequels, so I figured, you know what let's just let's just do it let's just Get into it here. So I watched all of them. Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is the, the one that's the meme. The Garbage Day meme. I'm sure that you're familiar with that. You've seen that clip, right? Oh, No? The Garbage Probably. Day, and he shoots the guy. No. Really? any Interesting. Well, yeah. oh, you should definitely look that up after we record, because it's hilarious. I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay. Uh, anyway, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 is atrocious it's I think one of the worst movies ever made maybe I mean it's not like troll two levels or Bert Demick or anything or the room but most the thing that that bothers me and and this isn't the only movie that that has done this where almost the entire movie is just a recap of the first movie so it's 40 minutes of this movie is just clips of the first movie so half of it—it's an eighty-eight minute long movie. Half of the movie is just clips from the first movie. So oh, I was actually Jesus. part of me was actually kind of glad because you know I forgot a lot of things about the first one. So this was like it was a nice little refresh little refresher for me. So part two is completely atrocious, but it's hilarious in, in how bad it is. Uh, part three is uh Silent Night Deadly Night 3 better watch out. This involves a a psychic. So it's a, it's about a a blind woman who has ESP and other special abilities. Yes. And somehow she's like linked with the uh you know, the killer. So you know, but uh, that's that's that. Uh, I'm not... Don't have much else to say about that. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. Oh, yeah, by the way, part two, it's a different killer. It's the brother. It's the younger brother of the uh, killer in the in the first one. And then, and then in part three, it goes back to that original killer, I believe. Part four is called si- Silent Night, Deadly Night 4 Initiation. Now, this one doesn't have anything to do with the other three. It's it's a completely separate story. And uh it's directed by Brian Usna. And... Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And it is completely bonkers. And it is the best one in the series, I think. Because it is just so... It's way out there. You know, it came out in 1990, so it has a ton of those really awesome uh Brian Usna uh prosthetics and gore effects mm-hmm. and, and it, this is not a slasher movie, to be clear. This is about um a woman who gets wrapped up in a cult of witches, and they they have her going through this initiation, which involves her like barfing out giant roaches and there's like all of these like crazy gross creature effects in it and stuff it's, uh, it's definitely worth a look this one I think it's the best it
1: sounds, it sounds incredible
0: it's the best in the series it has nothing to do with the, the, the regular the rest of the movies but uh, it's, it's definitely worth a look if you're familiar with Brian using this stuff it's, mm-hmm. it's on that same level you know uh, and Screaming Mad George did the the uh, effects work, so it's, you know, it's definitely lots of slime and gross-looking worm creatures and stuff like that. So definitely recommend that one. It's the best one in the series. Then Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toymaker came out in 1991. This one I don't have much to say about. It's, it's pretty average. Again, this doesn't have anything to do with the other ones. It's its own separate thing. And it's about a a toy maker who makes uh, just toys that kill people and it, f- it features a boy who's like supposedly mute and it's he's really annoying it's that one's pretty pretty bad i can't can't really recommend that one and that's the silent night deadly night series five of really? them just five yeah stopped in 91 yep there was a okay. fan made one that was like a part six but it was, like, 50 minutes, and I, I don't recognize fan-made yeah, sequels.
1: Fuck that. I had to put up with that mute kid. I'm not watching part six.
0: Exactly. But I would say part, uh, part four is the best the best one. Yeah, that's,
1: that sounds actually pretty incredible. I might have to check that out. I'm going to watch none of the other ones, just that one. And it sounds like that would be
0: okay. Yeah, no, it would be okay. There's, like, some yeah. little Easter eggs but I, the, it, there's I no pick up on them anyways. Yeah, there's no like you'll see you 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 will pick up on them cuz they're very blatant, but um there's no ties to the rest of the series. So it's a yeah, completely gotcha. standalone thing. Incredible Uh the one
1: uh, point of interest for you that I forgot to mention about Serendipity is that Leo FitzPatrick does
0: show up for a little bit. Oh, nice. Leo FitzPatrick. Love Leo. Uh
1: I watched another Rob Reiner movie if he could redeem himself after the shit fest that was the Princess Bride. Mm. So we watched because uh, I I'm, I'm finally um, up to speed with everyone else in America, and I have myself an HBO Max subscription. Oh, nice! So I checked out Misery's on there from 1990. James James Conn, Kathy Bates, classic, you know, Stephen King film adaptation. Finally got to check this out, and. This is this is pretty damn good, I gotta say. Like I I really, there's nothing to me that's that I can complain about outside of like the the filmmaking itself, like the visual, like the cinematography stuff. Like it's just it's all standard fare, just straightforward type stuff. But just the story itself, the performances. Uh, I love the. You get a little bit of levity in there with the the. The sheriff and his wife, and just I gotta say, quite quite good. I really enjoyed misery. Just a classic. Just has that Stephen King feel.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, big time! Me.
1: Yeah, and it just and Kathy Bates is just next level on this. Mm-hmm. I can see why this you know just kind of catapulted her. And this, she is, yeah, she's it, unhinged.
0: Yeah, yeah. And this is a movie that you can just rewatch a lot too, and it just. It holds up. Well, that's the thing is, I there was a part of me because this is
1: another movie that I've seen. You know, a lot of the the main plot points. Of, right. You know what I mean? Like I know the story of misery. Yeah. I know about the, the, the ankle breaking. The yeah, the, the hobbling. You know, I've seen all of that stuff. So there was a part of me that's like, how is this movie gonna fare on a first watch in 2021? Where like I know all of the main plot points of this movie. And it still works really, really well.
0: Yeah, I watched this not too long ago. Just a couple years ago, I, I caught up with it and, and rewatched it. And I, I, was, I was surprised. I mean, it, like Stephen King stuff, I don't know what it is about Stephen King stories. But I feel like there's a timelessness to them where yeah. you can just watch them anytime. And they just they hold up so remarkably well. But, man, I, yeah, yeah I, love, our, I love Stephen King adaptations there's something about it that's just it i find them very comforting i agree i completely agree there yeah there is this like sort of weird level of comfort with his movies or his stories i, I, I don't know i can't i can't quite place it just, but i completely agree with you yeah
1: and it's just so weird that you're able to get that across different decades different directors
0: yeah and and there's, like there's wildly, wildly in different stories too you know like A lot of the stories are, I mean, you know, Stephen King has a pretty creative mind when it comes to different stories, and yeah, he just, just so good. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Got, got a couple biggies, two biggies. Nightmare Alley is coming out. That's the new Guillermo del Toro one.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I'm
0: really excited about this. This this looks like right up, it's right up my alley. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh we also have Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm interested in this one too. I think this one looks really cool. I like th- I like that they brought Doctor Strange into it. And the it seems like they're doing like a kind of a Spider-Verse thing where they're they're bringing in their they're combining all of the different Spider-Man franchises, so the Tobey Maguire the Garfield, and then this one. They're mixing them all together, which I think is a really cool idea. So, yeah. Interested in checking that out, too. All right. On VOD this week, let's see, we have uh, Achora on... This is December 14th. We have The Darkness of the Road. Sometimes horror is unseen. So there you go. On the 17th, we have... Margaret, Queen of the North. A little bit of a historical drama there. 1402. Mm -hmm. Ah. Mm-hmm.
1: 1402.
0: Yeah. Great year. Great vintage. Got Last Words coming out. This is a sci-fi drama. Takes place in uh, 2085. So we go from the 1400s to to 2085. Well, right there. That's your... That's your double feature. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like a rough double <laughs> feature. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, we got The Novice coming out. This is one that I actually recommend. It's about a, uh, a college student who joins a rowing team. Uh, I quite liked it, actually. This is quite good. We got Fortress coming out, starring Bruce Willis. This is one of uh-huh. his uh, cash grab titles. I watched a mm-hmm. trailer for this just because I was like, is it a remake of, you know, the, the classic? Uh, what's, what's his name? Peter Lambert? Is that his name?
1: Oh, yeah. What is that? What is that guy's name? It's Christopher Lambert.
0: Lambert. Christopher Lambert. Yes. I was wondering if it was a remake of that fortress, but it is not. And well, you, just from the trailer, you can tell that, that Willis is just totally phoning it in. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's crazy anyway We've got Swan Song coming out this is on Apple TV Plus this is a uh, with uh, Marshall Ali and Naomi Harris Glenn Close is in there as well set in the near future it's a powerful emotional journey told through the eyes of Cameron a loving husband and father who's expecting his second child with his wife Poppy We've got mother android that's going to be on hulu that's a sci-fi one with chloe grace moretz uh, that's about it for vod on blu-ray this week we got the wolf of wall street coming out in 4k i was uh i was in a work meeting this week and it was like an all hands thing so everybody in the company was there and this guy just pops on the call and is like, I just wanted to say, like, that we're all doing a really great job. And, and uh, you know, I, if I may, I want to I quote Jordan Belfort. And then he did this, like, I, I, it was, I don't even know if it was an actual Jordan Belfort quote. But it was so weird. Like, this just random guy hijacked this all-hands meeting where it's like, you know, top-level executives... Doing presentations and stuff, and then this like random sales guy just pops in. He's like, "Hey, just just want to quickly jump in here." It's his give a give a Jordan guy. Belfort quote. Does that guy still work there? <laughs> I hope not. I mean, it was so inappropriate. I mean, it was inappropriate on multiple levels. But I I love how people how people misconstrue movies and people. Like, you know, like the whole Joker thing and, and Jordan Belfort, how like these finance bros look at him as as though he's like some sort of idol or or role model when he, he's not. He was like, he's a convicted felon. Like the dude was a scumbag. It Well, definitely was. I don't know if he still is or not, but I think he still is because he was shilling like shit coins and. Doing I was gonna say
1: what's he's probably doing? He's probably doing.
0: He's doing pump and dumps on crypto. He was doing pump and dumps on crypto, but he got he got caught. He get, so I, I don't know what's going on with him as far as like his legal no, issues right now. But he's
1: doing it what is it NFT NFTs? Yeah.
0: I don't know if I was he jumped in say
1: NTFs for some NTFs.
0: Reason. I, I don't know if he jumped in the NFT space, but he is he is doing crypto stuff now. So of course he is. Yeah. Anyway, um, let there be uh, Venom. Let there be Carnage is coming out on 4K as well. The Kindred from 1987 is getting a steelbook edition. The Last Duel is coming out on 4K. That that one just kind of stealth dropped. Yeah, which is it's crazy because that's the second Ridley Scott dropped two movies this year. I know it's kind of wild. And they were like
1: they were like back to back too. Yeah,
0: that's it's really crazy. Uh, Arrow is putting out The Snake Girl and the Silver-Haired Witch from 1968. Uh, Mitchell's Versus the Machines is getting a Blu-ray release. Uh, let's see. The 1984 version of Dune is coming out on a special edition 4K release, and that's going to be on Arrow as well. The Card Counter is coming out. I would highly recommend that if you haven't seen it yet. It's probably one of my going to be on my top 10. Uh, let's see. Put Your Devil Into My Hell from
1: 1973.
0: Uh, you Put devil. Your Devil Into My Hell. Yes. Ricardo do is a playboy who's prepared to do anything to go to bed with the wife of the mayor. Well, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, with a title like that, it just, I feel like I need to ex- explore that movie a, a little bit more, more deeply anyway uh let's see we got butch camp from 1996 donnie Darko's coming out in 4k that's also an arrow release uh the dead pit from 1989 it looks like sam raimi's spider-man trilogy is coming out on a little box set thing mm-hmm.
1: got it. So- <laughs>
0: yeah yep south of heaven from earlier this year that's the uh the the crime thriller with Jason Sudeikis. I wanted to Sorry, see that actually. It's kind of a uh, interesting. All about this movie, yeah, it's kind of interesting casting Shea Wiggum's in there. Uh, let's see what else we have. A lot of stuff. Years of Lead, five classic Italian crime thrillers. Oh yeah, coming out on Arrow. Oh my goodness, are you I, kidding me? I think this might be actually. You know what? I don't recognize these as previous releases because with their Giallo one, they they were like. They boxed up some previous releases, but these I'm not familiar with. You have Savage 3, Like Rabid Dogs, Cult 38, Highway Racer, and No, ca- No, The Case is Happily Resolved.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. So I've been looking for that one. No, because the, the case you know, is... <laughs> the title. Come on, are you kidding me?
0: This looks like an awesome box set. I might have to look into this it's five movies and i love italian crime thrillers and i i I haven't seen that many of them i've only seen like maybe a handful because i usually focus on the giallo stuff but every time i end up watching one of these like palazzi movies it's just like they're they're incredible i just have so much fun yeah i'm gonna have to look into this uh that's about it what about criterions we got two
1: we have the learning tree from 1969 gordon parks bunch of uh, special features on there finally getting released and then we have the red shoes from mm. 1948 getting that 4k uhd edition
0: nice all right uh well i think that that's gonna do it for this week thank you so much for listening you can send us your questions and topics to podcast and filmpulse.net You can follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And if you have a moment, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.